Ladies, gentlemen, degenerates, cretins, children of all ages, welcome to Real Tales from the Bar Side. We're getting into some fun, wild, wacky, chaotic stories about bar life and the people who work in it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these tales from the professionals in the bar and restaurant world. Have fun. Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Bar Side. I am your host, Matt Flynn. And with me this week, this is a special Hometown Heroes, the first, I'm sure, of many Hometown Heroes episodes of Tales from the Bar Side. Marshfield, Massachusetts's own head, no, sorry, chief beer nerd and head fix-it guy, Eric with a K, Eric Joyce. Nice. Welcome, Eric. Thanks. Real good to be here. Thanks for getting the title right. Oh, we got to work through that, I worked man. real hard on that. Those are real, real special business cards. And it's interesting because that's so fucking accurate. You are just the chief beer nerd. Any question about anything related to what we carry for beer. And you know that my knowledge is not really that. It, of a, it's not great. It, it's not great, right? So to have you as a reference... It's just over-the-top, scientific, down-to-the-hop percentage kind of shit. I love it. It's, it's, kind, of my, uh, it's kind of my game. Just I dig nerd it, man. Out and stuff. We'll get to Head Fix-It Guy, because that's just fucking ridiculous. You're in charge of too much and responsible for everything that ever happens at all and what needs fixing. But the cheap beer nerd shit, man, I got to say, if I don't enough, I really respect and appreciate it. Well, that's, that's just fun for me. That's my hyper type a need to categorize every single thing in the entire world type thing so i can just nerd out on that all day <laughs> if i could parlay star wars into it like then i'd be golden you have i've seen you do yeah. it i've seen you do it and it's a beautiful thing to watch so you're not only from my hometown and the man responsible for my current gainful employment at the two-door tavern at nyc on the upper east side but uh, you're a guy from Marshfield, man. We grew up in the same town. Yeah. yeah. The blood the, runs the 02050. deep. The Yeah. Yeah, Go man. Go Rams. Go <laughs> Rams. You know, I actually auditioned to be the Ram one year. How'd that go? Just in like a drug-fueled ridiculous. <laughs> like They just make you put the costume on, and so everybody has the same chance, air quotes, at getting it without any kind of favoritism. You go in in the suit already for the okay. audition, and the people judging don't. They don't know it's you. Right. The only fucking six foot four guy. I was gonna say, yeah, the they kind of. I think they were like, I think that might be him, and I was running around doing wind sprints, just going nuts, and uh, I didn't get it. Yeah, I it's probably for the best. I wouldn't for have done it if I had. Everyone involved, it small children, joke. old people, <laughs> players, fellow mascots. So, did you bartend at all in Marshfield? Did you have a restaurant experience there? No, I, I never worked in Marshfield. I, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. So I started working at twelve. You know, as soon as you can get a job out yep. the front door. Mm -hmm. Parents kicking out, go get a job. Start carrying your, your weight a little bit. I was working for a, uh, a catering company that was in a garage behind the little Green Harbor post office. Gotcha. I know it well. Yeah. So it was Green, uh, Green Mountain Barbecue and Shucks Seafood Catering. And it was called Shucks, not because you'd shuck oysters, because the dude who owned it, his name was Shuck. Was it spelled his, like Chuck? Like Shuck, like S-H-U-C-K. And his brother's name was skiff like the boat i mean we're talking like straight up 
towny homeboys. These dudes grew up there and they're named after just, you know, living next to the ocean. <laughs> so my buddy and I walk over there at 12, bang on the door. Like, uh, you guys want to hire us? I'm like, all right, we'll pay you like, you know, whatever it was, like five and a quarter an hour. Yeah, it was my mulligans rate when yeah. I was dishwashing. Yep. yep. And we get there at five in the morning on a Saturday and we'd load everything into the, into the van so they could go out and do the catering jobs. And then we'd be off for, you know, a few hours and we'd go back at six at night and they'd show back up with 30, 40, 50 Coleman coolers just stained in barbecue sauce and oyster water and junk and they'd drop them off like, all right guys, get to cleaning. And we'd do that for three, four hours and then we were done, stink, whole hell. And That's crazy shit. That's because it's wild. I think about my jobs and I started, I was bagging ice at 11 at the uh, Duxbury Beach Variety nice. and getting golf balls out of the marsh from a guy <laughs> who would hit them into the marsh off his top deck. He lived upstairs. And then at 12, it was the Patriot Ledger paper route. Yep. 14, it was Mulligan's. I think that was more indicative of our generation. You basically described what my grandmother told me that she did. Not for five and a quarter, but yeah. like she was the roll up the pants and go get clams, skiff and shuck show kind yeah. of thing. That's fucking crazy, man. That, was, that was, we, As soon as I was old enough to consider getting a job, I was being told to go get a job. Yeah. So it would, wasn't like a thought. Of, oh, I just found the first thing I could get. And I just did it. Yeah. It speaks to our work ethic, if I can compliment yes. the two of us. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm going to refer I, to can. us both as Skiff and Shuck from now on. I yes. Think, <laughs> I think we've earned that title. We're, we're basically blue-collar America holding everything together. Yeah. Just scrubbing coolers. In New York City. Yep. How glamorous. Wow. So, okay, you uh, leave Marshfield. Yeah. And from what I know, first stop Syracuse University. Am I wrong? First stop, uh, TGI Fridays, Route 53 in Norwell. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 17. Uh, waiting tables there. Uh, and this was back when you could still smoke in restaurants. Nice. So it was just awesome because we'd just fight over who got the smoking section because drinkers smoke and smokers drink. Mm-hmm. And you're on a collision course with, with imminent death. So they're just spending money. Yeah. Every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're all fighting over that section. So I did that corporate thing as long as I could, made as much money as I could before I went to school. And then rearview mirror, put that gone out, never look back. I don't think I've been in a TGA Friday since. You missed nothing. Not, not uh, no. I, I, I missed the, uh, the Jack Daniels sesame chicken strip things that are just 90% breading. I miss those. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very um, cloned chickeny. You don't <laughs> want it anyways. Trust me. I've done the research, unfortunately. Okay, so you get the hell out of town. Yep, not right? a Dodge. Upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, lovely central New York, real upstate, not Westchester upstate. Um, go orange. Get up there and then same thing, you know, just kind of mess around for the first year, get the work study thing, getting whatever, whatever it is that work study pays you $7 an hour that just goes towards books or whatever. So year two, and I need an actual job, need actual money. Beer costs actual money. So I found a job in a bar mm-hmm. where I figured at least I can drink cheap and quasi-legally uh, at 19. Um, said that was, that was next, and it was just do every single job at that bar I could get my hands on, get every other bar job I could get in any bar there, work in as many places as possible, just make any money I could to have some sort of better than you know, scumbag college life. 
Yeah, no, I totally get that. And, and the work ethic, I think, that starts with Skiff and Shuck translates. You, you can study and go do that shit and yeah. spend the money to have, get crazy and have fun and yeah. wild I, out. I was taking a full course load, and I'd work three to five nights a week. And even when, when you're in college, when you're working at a bar, it's not really working. You know, you know, all your buddies are there. Yeah. You know, you, if you've got a, a, a laid back in a place, you're having a couple drinkies while you do it. Yeah. So it wasn't like real, real work, but it was paying the bills. Let me have a decent place to live. Let me have money for the nights off when I wasn't at work, when I'd just go back to a bar. It was great. What was the name of the place you were at up there? I worked at, the first place I was working and worked straight through was, uh, was Fagan's Cafe and Pub uh, on South Krause Avenue, which is right off of the Syracuse campus. Um, there's a, a big, long street called Marshall Street, which is the first street off of campus property. And it's just lined with bars. And it's all non-campus-affiliated you know, bars, but that's where everybody goes. So this was the one place where you really had to be of age to get in. Okay. So it was the more reputable place, I would say. So it's nice. of age juniors, seniors, grad students, law students, all that. And then our dumbasses at 19 sneaking in the back door to, to drink. Trying to be classy. Yeah, you were trying like, to be yeah, cool. No, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're faking Yeah, we're, we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny shit. Yeah, started there. And then I guess I just picked up every job I could get. I met a buddy who worked across the street. So I'd fill in over there. I was working at... You know, working out at some meathead gym in North Syracuse and met a bouncer from downtown. So he goes, oh, you want to pick up some bouncing work? I was, yeah, man, absolutely. So I worked the door at, at the Limerick Pub and uh, bounced around there for a while, which is cool because I got to meet all the detail cops. So every time I wrecked my Volkswagen, there was a good chance that the cop that showed up would be someone I knew from downtown. Happened yeah. twice. That's kind of Marshfield, right? Yeah. It's just moving from one state to another, but that same it, hometown, it, you it, know me, I know you. It's the same thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's kind of kind of ridiculous. What speaking of ridiculous, what kind of crazy shit happened at Fagan's? Like what what can you is there anything off the top of your head that you're just like, damn, that was insane? Fagan's was kind of nuts. The the nuttiest thing that happened at Fagan's was actually across the street one night, this bar called Lucy's. And it's middle of summer, so all the all the students are gone, and we're just sitting around drinking beers with this guy, this guy Benny, who owns the place. And somebody says something, and everything kind of—it's like the needle you know, skips off the record. Everyone kind of <laughs> stops and stares, and it's all local guys and guys that are living in town for the summer. But you know, at this point, we're all—you know—I'm 21 or 22. Um, but I'm one of the older guys hanging out there cause it's a, you know, it's all bar backs and stuff. A couple of detail cops were there just kind of kicking around. Like I said, needle comes off the record. This kid reaches over the bar and goes to grab Benny by the throat and all hell just breaks loose. The bartenders all dive over the top of the bar before we know it. Everyone's outside. Everyone is just fighting everyone it's out of control i go to sucker punch some kid and this dude who's on the football team and one of the bouncers there picks me up by the shirt turns around slams me into the wall i thud into the brick wall he drops me he puts his finger right in my face he goes don't i go oh okay (laughs) some kid's on the ground just getting his face smashed in 
other kid finally gets up. So it turns out these two guys that start the whole thing are managers from the bar next door. Everyone knows everyone. I don't know how this escalated so quickly. Somebody well, slept with somebody's wife. Somebody screwed up big The time. only explanation. But this kid gets up. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> so he does. He calls the cops. And I look over. And the, this other guy's on the phone. I, I, I go, how do I know this guy? He's a cop. And I know him from downtown. So I see him pick up his phone. He calls the police and goes, yeah, guys, don't worry about it. You guys don't have to respond. Don't, uh, don't bother showing up. <laughs> he squashed it right yep. then and there. Awesome. So these kids are sitting around waiting for the police to come. Like 15 minutes later, everyone's now just still staring at each other. We all know the cops aren't coming. So they don't show up. Nice. And they're like, fuck you guys. And they just walk away. I go, oh, that worked <laughs> out pretty well. You got to love small towns. Yeah. And this is why I love you. This is a perfect fucking example of why I respect you as a human, not just a, co a worker. Not many people would admit that they went to sucker punch somebody and failed. Oh, yeah. Like, that's pretty fucking badass, was, man. I mean, it's a shitty fucking moment that you're perfectly well, willing yep. to unveil. I was going to light this kid up with no idea it was coming and totally just never made contact. Oh, God. That's the story of, I'd say, 95% of the fights I've been in are, are idiot douchebag bar fights. And they're... I'd say 99% of those end with me making an ass of myself. And Either getting my ass whooped or <sighs> duffing the wrong person. But when you're in places like that, this is a solid lesson to people. Head on a swivel. You feel the tension go up? Keep your eyes open. Yeah. Because you don't know which idiot's going to just throw a punch for no reason Someone's going to punch somebody. Head on a swivel. Yeah. And if you can, be that idiot. Throw that first punch. <laughs> Sucker punch some innocent Get bystander. Get the party started, man. Let's do Throw this. that first <laughs> punch. It's funny, you mentioned it kind of like, oh, this kid, oh, I'm going to call the cops. And it, it's funny because you said it in a way that really dictates how I feel about calling the cops, too. I think we grew up in a similar way in the exact same place where you just don't fucking call the cops. You handle things yourself. Right. And it's the mentality I've always had. But where you are in Syracuse, where we were in Marshfield, even in Boston, that's not New York City. No. And it's so fucked up because you never know what's going to end up on New York One. Everybody's fucking paranoid. Yeah. Cops especially. Mm -hmm. It's such a political, bureaucratic, weirdo community that everything gets taken so seriously. And it becomes whoever calls the cops first wins. Yeah. So at the bar, when I started out, it was kind of like, I got this. Mm -hmm. And then the cops would show up because someone else called them. Yep. And all of a sudden, they're questioning me like I did something wrong right. and it, now it's kind of become well, fuck and they've even told me at the precinct 19th they're like hey call us first right just get, a, like, get ahead oh, and you don't and you don't want to do that you don't know well, I'm, I'm calling mom and dad guys I called the police no and, they're and, coming and, and still you get some looney tunes motherfucker who comes in and he's ranting and raving well, I'm gonna call the cops and your first response is yeah fuck you call them right See yeah. what they say. But you're right. They're probably going to come and start grilling you because some shipbird called them first. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I did after my, my big, <laughs> my, my, my large experience with the, the 19th Precinct was uh, they told me, start filming this shit. Right? They just said, pull your phone out. People will fucking freeze. And it's so funny to get that advice from a cop because that's the last yeah. thing that they want to see They don't want to be filmed. They don't want to be fucking filmed. No. And that's probably where that comes from. Yeah. So there's been some instances where all of a sudden somebody will get kind of crazy. And I've just pulled my phone out and been like, dude, I got to tape this. 
and <laughs> turn into this weird fucking standoff where the guy will pull out his phone and start taping me, taping him. It's like, well, I'm taping it too. That's very modern like, art. I, it's complete and total meta ridiculousness. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are we doing? If somebody recorded us recording each other as a bird's eye view or you looked at the security footage, it would just like, it would what look like two weirdos just, just holding phones up to each other for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's so strange. It's crazy. But so are people who are at bars after a certain hour, nine times, but out of 10, so you kind of have to cover your ass. Nothing good has ever happened in a bar after two o'clock in the morning. No. And yet 4 a.m. is That's, I mean, <laughs> the, the I, New York law. I do think you're going to see that go away. I do too. I think I, it's trending in that direction, which is, is both great and sad. Really sad, actually. I don't think it's sad at all. I, 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 I don't think there's any need to be open after two. I'm glad that we have a, a four o'clock license and we can be open. Yeah. But coming from Massachusetts where it was one, I mean, we go home now, they're kicking us out of, you know, hat ads at 1230, like finish your drinks, get out, we're done. But people go out at 730. Yeah, that's the thing. And they go fast and hard. You go out when you're out of work. I never got the point when we moved down here of, okay, work's done for the day at five o'clock. I'm going to go home and do nothing for five and a half hours so I can go out at 11 at night and stay out till four in the morning and then go to work the next day. It doesn't make any sense. Why not just go out after work, get hammered, go to bed at 10 o'clock and be a functional person? I think it's cool theoretically. I just, in theory, I like the idea that it is the only place around. I think Miami has some 4 a.m. licenses. Maybe they don't and it's just after hour spots, but I've heard a bunch. I do not, I'm not a South Beach guy. I don't have that experience, but from what I've heard. But New York to me has always been that romanticized European city in the U.S. Yeah, that, like, it's like that, that Berlin thing where you can go to the stuff. disco all night. Yeah, and you're up and you're in the after hours till 10 if you want to be. And it's yeah. like, I don't want to do that. I sure as shit don't want to work it. But it makes me smile to know it's there. That it's there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do appreciate a uh, an early call. I'm not opposed to getting up and going to a bar at 7 in the morning for something. Right, you got a football game yep. or soccer. World, World Cups on and yeah, it's on the yeah, other yeah. side of the world and you got a 7 a.m. soccer game. I don't know why the fuck I called it that. football. I'm not European, it's soccer. I tried. Yeah. I, I was trying to be that guy. I'm not. You can't cut It's no. soccer It's here. soccer. Yeah, that's me. I feel yeah. more comfortable in my skin just yep. admitting that. Yeah, All right. Good for you. Yeah, thank I'm you. Proud of you. We're, making, we're, we're growing together. Together, as one. So you come here, you got a fucking awesome story as I see it. Not to hype it up, but... Um, when you came to New York from Syracuse and you were looking for a job, you kind of stumbled into where we're at now, right? Yeah, I kind of, I really did fall into it. Um, so I moved down to New York and the, the bar I was working at, Fagan's Cafe and Pub, South Cross Avenue, Syracuse, New York, uh, has a pretty decent uh, alumni network. A lot of people work there and, and everyone kind of looks out for people that are looking for work after. Mm-hmm. You know, if you work there, you know your shit. You're gonna show up for work. They don't really tolerate any, any, any bullshit. So, you can kind of go ahead and vouch for someone that worked there. So I decide I take all my Fagan staff T-shirts, and I'm when I go to pound the pavement to look for work, I'm wearing a Fagan's T-shirt every single day. So I moved down August first, and I'm walking up and down the avenues, up and down the streets, hitting 50, 60 bars a day in August in New York City, which means nobody's hiring because no. no one's in town. And it's all overstaffed to begin with. No yep. one's making any money. No. Yeah. I have $7 in my bank account. Uh, I'm buying uh, USA Gold cigarettes because it's the only thing I can actually afford. Wow. I haven't eaten in like two full days. 
And I walk into City Bar on 2nd Avenue. And this cat, Derek, is behind the bar. And he looks at my shirt. looks at me, he goes, what do you know about Fagan's? I, go, I work there. He goes, you want a beer? And I was like, yeah. Hope he doesn't charge me for it. <laughs> um, so I start talking to him. I tell him I'm looking for a job. He says, well, I don't have anything for you. But he goes, why don't you go up the block? He goes, go to a place called Uptown Lounge on 88th and 3rd and see who's working there. They're all Syracuse guys. If they need anybody, they'll, they'll probably give you a go. I said, all right, give it a go. We haven't gotten any work yet. It's like walking up and down streets for two, three weeks. So I walk up there. I walk in and this lunatic, like six foot five maniac is running around. This Dan Boyce, who's the, the general manager, who is an awesome dude, but he's just like so spastic. I don't know what I caught him in the middle of, but I walk in and I go, uh, hey, I'm looking for a, for, for a job. He goes, he goes uh, okay, I hand him a resume. And he looks at it. He goes, went to Syracuse, huh? I was like, yeah. Went to the Newhouse School. I was like, yeah. Goes, the hell do you want to work here for? And I go, uh, I need a job. I need a job. Are you guys hiring yeah. or not? <laughs> don't, don't jerk me around. He goes, well, if you want, you can be the, uh, you can be the Saturday and Sunday bar back. And I go, great. Brunch or night shift? Brunch, not oh, even night shift. Christ. So I can do, I can do the brunch bar backing. So I'm like, ah, oh, oh, this is fantastic. I, I just spent four and a half years in college and spent $180,000. I'm now the weekend bar back at a bar in New York and, City. And all you needed to know is how to mix orange juice and champagne. Yep, that's yeah. it. So I show up my first Saturday and I'm like, all right, I'm here to work. And Dan's here and he goes, well, the bartender quit. So you're the bartender now. And I go, okay, that sounds pretty reasonable uptown yeah so i uh i'm like all right i'll figure it out i guess i don't know where anything is i've never bartended brunch i've, I've done nights lunch but i don't know the, the first thing about brunch i don't come from a place where we have and brunch. it's different it's so different it's it's not necessarily easier it's fucking crazy it's it, just crazy town. it's this weird cultural thing with new york about getting up late and overpaying for eggs i don't understand it like it's odd where we're from i feel like brunch was a once a year thing for mother's day go to like lose 139 on mother's day for brunch because, yeah. because that's what mom likes right and that's it not every goddamn saturday and sunday of every goddamn weekend of the year to pay $20 for prefix eggs. But there's so many 20-somethings that have either, you know, money they've earned on their own. I won't take away anything from the people oh, who yeah. do work themselves or more often than not have, you know, yeah. a trust fund or some yep. supplemental money coming in from somewhere. And they're running loose, being 20-somethings, doing their thing, and it's time to recap what happened last night. Yeah. Or what happened on the Tinder date that we went on on yep. Wednesday. Oh, my God, he was so cute. Was he nice? And it's there's a lot of that. And then there's the couple's culture, kind of the double date brunch. Yep. It's it's weird. I don't think either one of us really fit into the brunch I've, mold. I've never understood brunch. And I love drinking during the day. And I've never understood brunch. Yeah. I'd rather just get up and eat something and then go sit in like a gloomy dive bar and crush Bud Heavies all day than go buy $25 eggs. I don't I don't get it. I saw you taste a brunch drink recently and just smack your lips with a disgusted face and say, I'd rather not drink. I don't I don't care for it. I'd rather not drink. Yeah. Huge statement. Awful. Absolutely awful. So, okay, you're, br you're brunch bartender now. I'm now the brunch bartender, day one. And the bars, you know it now. It's the same length bar. It's, it's probably a 25-seat bar. Yeah. Uh, you've got 
150 or so seats in the restaurant. And all of a sudden, this place is full. Mm. So I've got 25 people at the bar, all clamoring for drinks and food. I've got glassware out to Yazoo. I, I, I mean, I can't even see the bar top anymore. There's so much glassware. And the way they do the included complimentary drinks with brunch is the waitresses just yell out what they need. Yes, they do. So now I've got five waitresses who already hate me. And we're like three minutes into the shift and they can't stand me. Just screaming, Mimosa, Bloody Mary, four Bellinis. And I am just frozen. I am deer in headlights. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know if I go talk to bar guests. I don't know if I do service bar. I don't know if I wash glasses. I just stop. And all hell breaks loose. And now I'm just buried. I'm in the weeds for the next probably two months. Jeez. It took me two solid months to figure this out. Time goes by. I'm getting a little bit faster. Man, time a little bit better. And then they just, one day I just show up. And there's a bar back there. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I have, I have a arrived. Bar back. Yep, I'm here. I was like, guess what, kid? We're going to be buddies. <laughs> and there's this little dude, Omar. Omar was awesome. Uh, kid from Mexico. I've been in the States for a while. And this kid was the biggest rave kid ever. I would show up at 9 a.m. He's supposed to be there at 9. He'd show up at 11.30 pupils looking like a friggin' Japanese cartoon character <laughs> yeah. just up from last night just mm, 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 still going bouncing his step like, though I wow, bet he washed glasses with gonna... the quickness though. oh yeah he oh, was yeah. great but he was always just high as a kite still big part of our business just, there's yeah, a lot of substance that abuse. there's a lot of that <laughs> but that's cool that he had the work ethic I mean I... yeah he, he never missed a shift you know he he was late habitually yeah because I guess, you know, when you're still going, time doesn't really matter. Sure. But, uh, yeah, no, it was always there. Always worked his butt off. And made you look so much better because you could do your job, right? I could actually efficiently work now. Well, we're going to have to move on from brunch. Oh, yeah. Eventually. God. But we're going to do it after a quick break. We'll see you soon. So, Court Dunn brother friend producer of this podcast he does a lot of really great work um, as a director and he did something really unique called a crayon space love story he released it uh, not that long ago and it's it's beautiful it really is a a beautiful animation based voiceover narration love story it's something i've shared with a bunch of people and uh, i want to share with you so check it out just go to youtube you can either go to Restless Films, Court Dunn, or just straight a crayon space love story. And uh, support my boy. It's really heartfelt. It's touching. And I think if you have five minutes to really dedicate to it, you'll enjoy it. Hey, real quick. That catering company you worked for at Green yeah. Harbor Post Office behind yeah. it. It had a fucking bread truck for $2,000 just sitting next to it for sale for years. And I used to walk by 
fantasizing and telling myself, I'm going to buy that bread truck. What were you going to do with it? I was just going to throw parties in the back of it, yeah. drive around, yeah. park it behind Mulligan's, go to all the Marshall 500 drinking spots. I was, gonna, I was like, this is it. That was I'm going to get that, was that new party bread mobile. truck. That was it, man. Yeah. I was ready to rock. Never yeah. happened. Probably a couch in the back, 50 cases of Natty Ice. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was totally just that 70s van, but in bread truck form kind of idea. That catering company behind the post office was so great through high school because we had keys to it after a couple of years they were they, they gave us keys you know they drop all that crap off we're 16 17 now you know all right guys you wash this all out we're gonna take off just lock up when you're done mm-hmm. so that became our guess where we're hiding all of our beer now we had big huge walk in there so we just hang out down the beach go back at cold ones bring them down there and so just hang just hang do you ever steal coolers no. Yeah. See, we were fucking assholes. We like uh, the people in my neighborhood, and chiefly uh, me and a few close friends would swipe coolers up people's decks. It was kind of a rush and a way to get alcohol when you were twelve and yep. you didn't have a buyer. Yep. <laughs> it was kind of we'd get, just take your shoes off and tiptoe, grab the cooler, and just run like hell. We were good from like fifteen on because uh, a girl I was hanging out with had a sister who was twenty-one. And they looked spot on identicals. And she was she must have been fifteen when I was sixteen. So she'd use her older sister's ID at Hubbard's cupboard and they'd sell to us. Yeah. So we never had to swipe. We just buy whatever was cheap or on sale. And we we're good to go. Once I was fourteen and I worked at the bar, like I'd still swipe, swipe a cooler here and yeah. there and you take from the bar, obviously, at that age, but it just buyers. Once you're in the restaurant uh, and bar industry, yeah. People are giving you booze. Yeah. You're, you're in good shape. Yeah. Uh it was funny. Wrapping up brunch real quick. I worked one brunch shift. It was kind of a triple where I worked okay. from 5 p.m. to 6 a.m. Yep. Slept for three hours. In the banquette. Came, yeah, yeah. Came out, did brunch into a night shift. Nice. And I think it was so fucking funny, man. Somebody probably at 1 o'clock. So brunch has been rocking since 10. Comes yep. back and says, this lady's crazy at table 13. She says she tastes vodka in her Bellini. I'm like... Isn't there fucking vodka and a Bellini? <laughs> She's like, no. no. See, all day long, Ooh. I've been dumping bottles of vodka into the Bellini because yeah. I was thinking Bellini martini. Well, that's what I make. Right? So they're like, no, you ass. Right. So I was getting people extra skunked that nice. morning without anybody knowing it except this lady who knows the taste of vodka. If I am going to drink a mimosa, I like to throw a little uh, shot of Stoli Owen. I call it a mimosca. A mimosca. Think about it. That's adorable. It's good stuff. Yeah. So brunch. You're rocking it, you and Omar, and where from there? So brunch, your, your brunch days end when? Uh, I finally graduate from brunch somewhere about a year, probably a year later. Um, on good behavior, I got out, and the, the guy I was working for was opening up a place in Forest Hills. Okay. So for me, living in Queens, I think, oh, that'll be great. That's right down the street. Well, coming from the northern part of Astoria... It's like 45 minutes or an hour. It's taken the N all the way down to Lyon City, then taken the E Express out or the 7. It's just like transfer, 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 get all the way out there to find out that Forest Hills is where crazy lives. It is full-on Looney Tune town. These people, they're very nice, but it's a very insulated part of New York where people tend to live like their whole lives, and they populate 
Austin Street, which is like the, the happening go-to place in Forest Hills where mm-hmm. all the bars and restaurants are. And every single person is the goddamn mayor of Austin Street. Everyone thinks that they're upper echelon VIP. Okay. I, you know, I only pay for one of every four drinks. There's not enough vodka in my martini. Just like every Looney Tune thing you can hear these people have. So I get to go out there and work there. Blast. And the general manager is this, this Irish dude, Mike. And he's crazy, first of all. Full on batshit crazy. But he's also like very old school Irish. He believes that, you know, Guinness should never be more than $4. I'm like, oh, well, that's great. It means that's all anyone's ever going to drink is $4 Guinness. And you have to stay open till 4 regardless of anything. So I'm working like Wednesday nights there, like Tuesday, Wednesday nights there. And... I mean, it's kind of a residential area. So by 9.30, we're done. Yeah. It just, it, the bar only has like 12 seats, and I think there's maybe 18 seats in the dining room. Small place. 9.30, no one's in there. I'm there till 4. Damn. So I just clean everything up by 10. And at 10, I sit down at the bar and take out a book or put on this, you know, I listen to the entire Tom Waits discography or watch sports center for six hours and just stare and so you got out of one prison right into another basically right into the next one and Uh, forest hills is interesting man i don't know much about it but i've been out there enough that i actually find it charming i feel like it's kind of like quincy in that residential way yeah for a massachusetts comparison where it's kind of like all right yeah this isn't the proper this is where people live but to work there i guess like anywhere else is probably a very different animal yeah it's Coming from the city and going out there, it's like going back to the suburbs. Yeah, it's the, I get it. The inverse of, of what we've done in our in our in our lives. So, how long did they make you stay out there? Because you ended up back back at Uptown, didn't you? Yeah. So at this time now, I'm working part time at Uptown. I'm working part time out in Forest Hills, and then somebody quit. I forget. I don't even couldn't even tell you who it was, but somebody quit as one of the part time managers at Uptown. So I said, okay, well, this kid wants to work. We could probably pay him virtually nothing, and he'll take it. So let's do that. So I started doing that. So, so you were a part-time manager? Yep, part-time okay. manager now, which meant that I could take my uh, my discount uh, pronto menswear clothes and upgrade them a little bit. Mm-hmm. At this point, my, my shoes have actual cardboard in the sole. I've worn the, the soles out. So I'm walking, and it's wet behind the bar. There's water just coming up through my shoes. Oh. So get a little bit of, a couple of bucks for doing this managing thing and actually dress like a real grown-up. And that's when the real fun begins. Because before, I'm like, yeah, I don't really make a whole lot of money, but I don't really have any responsibility. It's pretty okay. I'm broke all the time, but my the worst part of my day is like, uh, I forgot to make somebody's mimosa. Mm-hmm. Now I get yelled at by everyone. By everyone. All day. All the time. Now, when you upgraded your wardrobe real quick, is that kind of when you took on the ideology that is my favorite Eric Joyce quote of all time? Like an adult? Like an adult? Yeah. Was that that time? Uh, yeah. So that's when that's when I, I decided that I had to be the grown-up all the time. And you've taken that role seriously, and it's awesome. I love it because the like an adult quote came from somebody locking their keys in the office at the Christmas party, which... They couldn't get into, and you were home, and the only person with keys, and I woke you up, and drunkenly, raspily, you yelled at me, 
Yes. Yeah. Say, where the fuck are his keys? I said, oh, they're locked inside the office. Why the fuck are they in the office? I was like, well, do you have yours? Of course I have mine. They're on my belt, like an adult. Yeah, that's where you keep your keys. <laughs> so you're an adult now. You're a part-time no, manager. Yeah, you've no, upgraded your wardrobe. No, I'm you're an adult. adult. My, my, my dad was a, uh, a shop foreman for 35 years, and he said that every day he would get up and go to work, he would put his mask on. And my dad is a, is a very happy, fun-loving guy. But I always knew him from when he came home from work is just this very gruff, very irritated man. And because he was still wearing his mask, he would go every day, he'd wake up and have to put on his mean mask and be the mean guy. And oh, be, figuratively. He yeah, would put all, oh, okay, and be, got you. Be the, yeah, be the grown up and mm-hmm. put that mask on. And it would take him a few hours once he got home for that mask to come off. So now I am wearing that mask i have to go to work every day i'm usually a pretty happy you know fun loving guy but at work that mask has to go on somebody has to be the grown-up and that person most of the time has to be me yeah yeah i i I had management experience at a real estate office and i just don't like being in charge of other people no it's terrible it's just because it's babysitting you're babysitting grown-ups and there's certain I, i think the restaurant industry can attract um, like if you're smart enough to work there, you shouldn't be working there kind of people. Right. And, and I, I think two doors actually done a really good job now of putting together a staff that fit that mold. Like we're all too smart to be there, but everyone there is, is <laughs> they're an adult. We're, we're, in a, we're in a great spot with our staff there, but it, for a lot of the times you've got people that are in transitionary parts of their life. They are going between school and their eventually work field or between two jobs or it's not a whole lot of people that decide, okay, I'm going to wait tables. That's what I'm going to do forever. Right. There are those people. There are people that are professional servers and they're, for the most part, they're working in steakhouses and they're unionized and they should never leave those jobs. Cause totally. Those are great positions. Awesome gigs. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, if you're working in a small, you know, non-chain independent restaurant in the city, you've got a bunch of people that are kids yeah. And you babysit them. Yeah, yeah. And this, this, you know, I feel like kids get older and older every year. Like now, the idea is you're really not an adult. You're like 25, 26, 30, 35. I don't, I don't know when kids become adults now, but it's getting later and later. <laughs> it is, and they all. need, and people need to be babysat. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And it's exhausting. And I, and this sounds like to me the part-time manager. Birth is also the birth of Head Fix It Guy. Head Fix It Guy, yeah. Head Fix It Guy came out of necessity when I left Uptown, which was probably about a year after I started managing there. I got shifted to managing a place in Midtown for the same company. And everything was broken there Mm. all the time. The best quote I ever heard was someone super, super angry there. And they're like, oh, I just hate it here so much. I just want to break everything, but I can't because it's already broken. <laughs> everything was always broken. And the other manager there, her idea of fixing something was she would buy these rolls of Velcro tape. It was like two-sided duct tape with Velcro in the middle. And she would just Velcro everything. Like, 
part of the drywall would fall in. She would take the busted drywall, put Velcro on both sides, and stick it back to the wall. Seriously? I, sh- I shit you not. There was a air conditioning unit with a con- uh, condensation pan underneath it. And when they installed it, whatever knucklehead contractor put it in never put a drain in it. So the water had nowhere to go. So it would just rain over one of the tables every time it was hot and humid out without fail. So eventually I've got like rubber tubing stuck into it. I've got to drill through it down like behind this table into a bucket. So no one ever wants to sit there. It looks ridiculous. There's a curtain hanging over it, but it's just cloth. It's not an actual curtain. Full on dysfunction. Everything's just constantly broken. But you make it work, and I've seen it for a long time now in a way that you're not a fucking general contractor. You don't come in and totally remodel because no one is willing to put the money up for that to be done properly. You come in and you take MacGyver-like skills and turn something just into a fucking situation that's serviceable. You don't Velcro broken wall to wall. No, you, because if you wait for someone to come and fix it, if you wait till you have the money to fix something, it's going to be months down the road. And, and the guys that do restaurant repairs, uh, guys that fix compressors and fridges and stuff like that, they get $200, $250 an hour in labor. So if you have a three-hour job for them, which includes their driving time, you're looking at, you know, with parts, $1,000 to fix something. Yeah. So eventually for me, it became, okay, I don't know how to do any of this stuff, but I'm pretty good at problem solving. Yeah. So just working backwards and stuff. Thank God for Google on on phones. Because you can find pretty much anything on the internet and figure out how to at least make something work until you can actually fix it. Yeah, and, and problem solving, I think, is, again, a quality that we both share but just value in other people because it means if you can problem solve, I don't have to for you. Yes. And I can't I, – I, my biggest difficulty, I think, is working with people who can't problem solve on their own. Just fix it. Just figure yeah, it out. It's just something – like, get it done, especially when it's – something that has nothing to do with me and what I'm doing. Yep. I've got my own stuff going on. Yeah. Like, I, I, do you want me to stop everything and do what you should have done anyways yep. very easily? <laughs> so it's, it's kind of maddening, but it's, uh, I, I feel like the commiseration level for us is actually, oh, yeah. it's, it's as adults. There. Yeah. <laughs> as adults with, with keys on our belts, <laughs> it's up there. It's nuts. So uh, Brooklyn provided you uh, this is my favorite part of this story it's kind of just like the rise of the guy with seven dollars in his pocket so (laughs) you go from this guy that has seven bucks in his pocket buying shit cigarettes hoping a guy buys you a beer wearing a fagans t-shirt to ownership group yeah and now it's it's 2000 and end of 2010 and we're talking about opening a place in brooklyn and brooklyn's you know williamsburg is starting to kind of blow up a little bit um not where we're looking originally but where we end up by luck getting into so we're we're about to close a deal for a place on 75th and first and it's going to be the new kind of iteration of uptown we're gonna make it a little bit more hip you know some more fancier cocktails change the menu a little bit and it's cool. It's it's a, it's a cool looking spot. It's in a three story building, so the door for 
the stairwells of the apartments is dead center on the building. And that's kind of painted the rest, the colors of the rest of the building. Then there's two doors on either side that connect to like a U-shaped room that's the main part of the bar. Mm-hmm. So I think, well, there's two doors. We'll call it two-door tavern. We're going for this whole tavern thing. This is going to be great. Time goes by. We do all the legwork we need. We've got architects retained. We've got all the legal stuff going. We meet the guys who hold the lease in Starbucks to sign the lease. We're going to assume their lease and then execute the option to have 10 more years on top of the year they have, and we're good to go. So we're going through it all, and our broker just kind of gives us an audio. You guys want to stop? i got to talk to you guys. So we'll talk outside. Let's go outside. He goes, you can't sign this lease. What do you mean? He goes, this whole thing is dependent on the landlord executing your extension. He's trying to evict these guys. There is 0% chance he extends. You guys are going to be signing a lease for three months and you're on your asses. Last second, angels from above save us. Yeah. But now we've got $200,000 worth of light fixtures and shit in a garage in New Jersey for a project that we don't have. Mm -hmm. And we totally luck out. One of the investors for the project finds this spot that's listed somewhere on this side street in Williamsburg. And we said, okay, we'll go take a look at it. And that's what it was. That became two-door tavern Mm -hmm. with one door. Name doesn't really fit, but we already did all the branding, so we weren't going to back off on that now. And that's where it comes from. So sweat equity. How much money can you put together? Give me all of it, and then work your tail off for the next 10 years, and you can can, uh, own a little piece of it. That's what we did. That's amazing. I just think even the backstory for the name of the place gives insight that most of us don't have what goes into, and it's great to get all this information, what goes into ownership, what goes into finding a place, what goes into getting it on its feet, the lease, the landlords, all this crazy shit that people take for granted. I think it's really comparable to the film business where if you've done a day in every department at least, you just have such a better understanding of what goes into the whole picture. Yeah. And it, when you start catering, and then you jump to waiting tables on Route 53, and all of a sudden you're bartending, bar backing, part-time managing, head fix it. You get this cheap beer nerd knowledge that like you're into, and you're failing, and this is cool. And now all of a sudden you're in an ownership group. You have a big picture spectrum, and I think that's if you're going to be successful in this business, the only way to fly. So you have an understanding and an empathy, and you can hold on to the humanity that goes on with your staff. It's a lot easier to to manage people and to manage your own expectations for people when you've done their job it's real easy to expect people to, to deliver the world and sometimes that's just not feasible yeah you can't ask someone to be your dishwasher and your porter and your delivery guy and go 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 and have everything done perfectly all the time because it's just you one person can't do all that no and the day that your dishwasher calls out and you're the dishwasher you realize that right away that you can't ask the world of every single person. No, and I think what I really respect about your approach to managing and ownership is that you don't lose sight of that. I think a lot of people that take those posts, they get this new position and, and very quickly forget what it was like. And they lose that connectivity to when they were in that position, mm-hmm. even if it was for a fucking day out of necessity. Yeah. 
So it's cool that you're able to do that, man. And the whole, you should already know this, but the whole fucking staff over there loves you. And when you're gone for a couple of days or something, there's a lot of, I miss Eric. Uh, it's, it's nice to be welcomed back if I'm out for a couple of days. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, on any given day, I'm only one call out away from being the bar back or the line cook or yeah. the dishwasher again. So oh, We sat there last night just counting, looking at the, at the phone, going, he better show up. I'm not. I'm not bartending this fucking party. I, yep. I, <laughs> you I just don't know. Just, I, and I can do it. Some days you just don't have it in you yeah. to do it. And last night was one of those. I one totally of those nights I just it. didn't have it in me. No. I could have faked it for a few hours, but that would have been tough. Hey, you have a story about the little guy, don't you? Oh my god, the little guy. Come on. Well, I'm yeah. not. I'm not even gonna call him out because I don't know the story. But eventually, this dude's getting called out by name. I love him to pieces. He's a fiery Latin. Just hunk of love, and this man—he's—he's he's he the is, little guy. He's—he's he's the Brad Marchand of bartending. He is a hundred pounds of hate in a fifty-pound <laughs> sack. I will say this though: just in the in the three years I've been involved, and I know everybody else has known him for like twenty. He's gotten so much better. He's just not as angry. I haven't seen him reach over the bar and punch anybody. I haven't seen him slap a bar back in front of a full bar like. He's he's been a lot better. Yeah, he has in his old age. He's he's really starting to to calm down. But his hobbies do include uh, annoying customers and making waitresses cry. Um, <laughs> so this is now this has got to be two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Uh, names being withheld. I'm not sure what the statute of limitations is on assault. Um, someone's just running their mouth in the bar, and dudes behind the bar. And I'm watching. I'm trying to see where this is going to go. Dickhead on my side of the bar reaches across and tries to grab one of the girl bartenders. Well, that's a big no-no. Sexual? Like a, like a... No, grab like violently. Like he's all, he's, all, he's all worked up and pissed off. So now, you know, rage sets in. Everyone goes into a full-on rage blackout. Little ball of hate hops over the bar. I mean, like, just like... Super Mario jumps over, doesn't hand plant or anything. I run up from where I'm standing and I grab the cat by the back of the shirt and just kick him in the back of the legs and throw him headlong into the brick wall that's behind me. And he thuds into that and hits the ground. So this guy's going out the front door and he's going out the hard way. So bartender picks him up by by the shirt at the shoulders and I pick him up by the pants at the ankles and we start walking them towards the front like a battering ram. <laughs> so the design of this place, it's all hard wood and brick, but it's got this big glass vestibule at the front. And this is like security glass. Like you throw a brick at this and it would bounce off. But it's got this two-way swinging all-glass door to go to the vestibule before you get outside. So we're walking them out and I'm thinking, man, I wonder if someone's going to open this door for us. And I go, nope. All of a sudden, we we start speeding up. <laughs> and he gets swung face first like a battering ram as he looks up into this double swinging glass door. Boom! Face just smashes it open. And then we do it again on the front door and launch oh, him out. And he God. rolls into the <laughs> garbage that's on 3rd Avenue getting ready to get picked up. Lock the door, brush the hands off, walk back to the bar, let's pop a beer, night's over. All of a sudden you hear, bang, 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 bang. There he is, front door. He's he, awake. He wants more. Ah. Uh. 
bang, 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 bang. Kind of look at the bartender. He looks at me. Give him a nod. We look before either of us can go over. And the food runner walks to the front door. Unlocks it. Guy yanks the door open. Food runner duffs him. Blasts him right in the nose. Kid tumbles over, brum, 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 right back into the garbage <laughs> pile. So I'm thinking, man, this, this kid's got to stay down now. Lock the door. Go back. Five minutes later. Boom, 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 boom. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Go to the front. I go this time. Open the door. I said, listen, buddy, you're done. He's cursed me out this way. The next, come outside. I go outside. He's just John now. So I think, well, if he's going to hit me, he's going to hit me. Keeps John. Pushes me. I grab him and slam him into the wall. Cock my hand back. I'm going to light him up. And all of a sudden, I go to swing and then just pulled out. He just disappears into a, into a puff of like magic smoke. I go, where the hell did he go? And I look to my right and there's the bouncer from next door. Just swipes him right out of the way before I can duff this kid. He's like, he's with me. Don't worry about it. Let it go. Okay, buddy. Oh, wow. See you oh, later. I thought he was going to get like a suplex or a stone no. cold stunner from the bouncer, but that's it. No, he just, he just pulled he him right out. Me. Bouncer knew his brother. Didn't want to see him get his ass whooped oh, on 3rd Avenue. Fuck. Just Yeah, for the fourth time in as right? many minutes. Yeah. How many times can you go in the trash pile before you just God, give up? God, It's funny that you're talking about statute of limitations. I think when we did the Lucas pod, I talked about the story where um, the guy called you a faggot. Oh, yep, yep. And I dragged him out front and, and started stabbing him and poking him with, him with a the piece stick. of wood that they ripped off the wall. Which, by the way, we still, we still need to put back. It's not on there. The wall. I noticed I don't that know last where it is I'm now. Like, yeah, it's a, yeah. a female just, cop just kinda, threw it in the, in the dumpster. Yeah. It's just kind of like we're going to pretend this didn't happen. Right. I'm like, you know what? I love New York. Yeah, that guy was a real dick. He was a clown, man. He was a clown, and there's more to come, more to follow, and I'm sure more stories for us to tell based on. Our gainful employment together. Yeah, right? So uh, this has been fucking awesome. It's been great. I'm Thanks really glad you came, man. Yeah, fun. dude. It's been, it's been fun casting pods. Hell yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll do it again because, like I said, more to follow. Yeah. I look forward to it. Eric Joyce, origin stories, chief beer nor- nerd, chief beer nerd, head fix it guy, two-door tavern, NYC, 1576, Third Avenue between 88th and 89th. Boom. Love, love you guys. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. Be sure to tip your bartenders and tip us by subscribing, liking, leaving us a review. That stuff helps like hell, and we really appreciate it. So thank you again. Hope you enjoyed yourself, and we'll catch you next week. 